Is Tennessee quarterback Nico Iamaliava under the most pressure of any player in college football next season? If it's not number one, he's certainly in the top five. I'll tell you some others here on a Monday, Locked On Balls. You are Locked On Balls, your daily podcast on the Tennessee Volunteers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome into it. It's a new week, and you're starting it right here on Locked On Vols. I'm very appreciative of that. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Big shout out to LinkedIn Jobs for making this show possible today. You can post your job for free over at LinkedIn.com slash Locked On College. Terms and conditions do apply. We have got a busy show to get into here today. Uh, players and coaches who are under the most pressure in 2024, and why I think Nico Iamaliava is at the the top of that list. That's coming up here in a matter of moments. Tennessee wallops Vanderbilt on the hardwood and is considered a number two seed in the NCAA projections right now, according to that said committee. That's coming up in segment two. And then I'm going to talk a little baseball in segment three because, as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, I am on the road this weekend. This is from my Airbnb in Dallas, Texas. It is cold here. Um, I didn't think it was going to be warm, but I did not think it was going to be this cold. And so I am freezing in Dallas, Texas this weekend and uh, hopefully be making my way back to Knoxville uh, around Monday evening. So without further ado, do thank you guys for being here. You shout out every dayers uh, for making this show possible, for watching, downloading, listening for free wherever you get your podcast. So ESPN put out a story over the weekend and it was, uh, you know, who's got the most to prove? in 2024 and they kind of broke it down amongst coaches and they broke it down um into players and under the list of players who had the most to prove in 2024 the third one listed is tennessee quarterback nico iamaliava and he comes in behind it's not necessarily like ranked one two it's just the first quarterback listed here is Tyler Van Dyke at Wisconsin. The second quarterback listed here is Kate Klubnick at Clemson. And then coming in at number three, or the third one listed, is Tennessee quarterback Nico Iamaliava. This is what ESPN has to say about Nico entering the 2024 season. The good news for Iamaliava is that he certainly appears to have all the tools to be a difference maker at the quarterback position, as he accounted for four touchdowns in his first start last season in Tennessee's 35 0 victory over Iowa in the Citrus Bowl. But from the time Iamaliava signed with the Vols, he's been under the bright spotlight. From the reported $8 million NIL deal he signed to being hailed as the quarterback that would vault the Vols back into the championship contention to be at the center of the, in, of the recent NCAA investigation into Tennessee's program. No player since Peyton Manning has walked into, onto Tennessee's campus with as much pressure to perform at an elite level. That is from Chris Lowe, of course, who you know, is, is very familiar with the Tennessee beat, used to be on the Tennessee beats and uh, worked a long time in, in this area covering Tennessee specifically. I would wholeheartedly agree with that last sentence. No player since Peyton Manning has walked onto Tennessee's campus and been under more pressure to perform. Peyton Manning, of course, the son of Archie Manning, former college football great, former NFL great, um, leaving his... Now, granted, didn't go to Ole Miss like Eli did, but going against his, not his father's wishes, but maybe a lot of fans of Ole Miss and their wishes and going and doing his own thing at Tennessee, but still he carried the persona. He carried the name that was Manning. Now, Iamaliava does not, not carry that name, but Iamaliava carries the weight of that last name, which is a mouthful. 
Um, he carries the weight of being the number one overall player in the class of 2023 per the on-three rankings. He carries the weight of being a five-star player. He carries the weight of being a quarterback. And just like the just like the little blurb here says, he carries the weight of being kind of the poster boy for the first massive name image and likeness deal, reportedly, right? And there's you know, it's no there's no secret here. He is at the center of the current NCAA investigation. Now as we've talked on this show for, for weeks upon weeks, in the grand scheme of things, don't think that's going to be a big deal because the NCAA will not win in court. Even if they lose the even if the NCAA wins the injunction here as we await last Tuesday's hearing in, in Greenville, Tennessee, you, you might win the battle. You're not going to win the war if you're the NCAA. But I would 100% agree that Nico is probably, in my opinion, under the most pressure of any player in college football next season. And, and the other names that were mentioned i agree like kate klubnik you know he this is going on year three for him right i mean he came in as the guy that was going to contend for a starting job with uh dj young whatever his name is and he's already been to two other stops since leaving clemson gosh college football is drunk um and uh really underperformed this season as, as a first time as a as, as a true number one starter at the cornerback position so kate klubnik at clemson which you know, had a dynasty a couple years ago under a lot of pressure. I would agree with that. Tyler Van Dyke was considered one of the best quarterbacks in the country as a freshman a couple years ago. You know, where's that gone? He was not good in 2023, now going to Wisconsin, and we'll see what he can do. Um, but those guys don't carry the weight and the name of Nico Iamaliyev. Another one mentioned here is Dylan Gabriel. Of course, Dylan Gabriel at UCF. Then he went to Oklahoma. Now one of the premier quarterbacks on the transfer portal market. He picks Oregon. And Oregon trying to contend for a college football playoff once again. Needs a quarterback as it's uh, you know its first season in the Big Ten. And Dylan Gabriel is going to be that guy. Um, so sure, he's under, he's under pressure for sure. And he's a good player. But I don't think it's comparable to Nico. Um, Harold Perkins Jr. is mentioned here as an outside linebacker for LSU. Harold Perkins Jr. is a really, really good player. In fact, he's one of the best players in the country. Um, he had a great, great freshman campaign a couple years ago: thirteen and a half TFL, seven and a half tackles for, or seven and a half sacks, four forced fumbles. Um, he was dominant in twenty twenty two. He wasn't as dominant in 2023, obviously. So he's wanting to be a bounce back and obviously trying to be a top 10 pick in the NFL draft for the NFL draft in 2024. So I understand. Harold Perkins has got some, yeah, he's he, he he's got some um he's he's got some pressure to him, no doubt, but he's not a quarterback. You know, Garrett Nussmeyer, I think, would be more in this conversation because why? Well, he's replacing Jaden Daniels, who just won the Heisman Trophy. Um Again, I, you know, they, they break it on down here into which transfer has the most to prove in 2024. Well, Dylan Gabriel is a transfer, so I'm not really sure why he's not in this conversation. But they put Ohio State Will Howard, sure. Walter Nolan, a name that we're very familiar with at Notre Dame, or at, excuse me, at Ole Miss now. He's got a whole lot to prove. I would agree with that. Riley Leonard going from Duke to, to Notre Dame would agree with that. Uh, DJ Younglele, who you know goes from Oregon State, formerly of Clemson, now to Florida State. I would agree he's got a lot to prove as well. Cam Ward now going to Miami uh, to play to take the place of Tyler Van Dyke. All these players, I would agree with, have something to prove, but none of them are going to be under as much pressure, in my opinion, and are going to be hungrier to prove the naysayers or to prove the the doubters wrong 
than Nico Iamaliava. Again, number one overall player in the country, five-star quarterback NIL. Checkbox here, checkbox here, checkbox here, checkbox here. It all fits. And so, you know, for Tennessee to be good, Nico's got to be good. But there's he's going to be under pressure for sure. How he deals with adversity, how he navigates the waters of being a starting quarterback in the Southeastern Conference, how he responds after throwing an interception, making a wrong read, fumbling the football. I got news for you. It's football. That's going to happen. But how does he respond in those moments? And does he come back and does he make a wow play? And does he make more consistent wow plays or more consistent smart plays of protecting the football than turning the football over? You know, that's what we're going to be looking out for for Nico. So um, I like this story. I thought there's a lot of good points here. They also go on here at ESPN.com. Which coach has the most approved? A couple listed here. It's Kellen DeBoer at Alabama, obviously. James Franklin at Penn State is always on this list. Mac Brown of Carolina after they took a step back. Billy Napier of Florida. Of course, he's got the most approved because he's on the hot seat this year. Lincoln Riley at Southern Cal, for sure, with that salary and what you did with the with the reigning Heisman Trophy winning quarterback this past season at USC, for sure he should be on this list. And Ryan Day, because he can't beat Michigan anymore. Um, really good stuff over here at ESPN.com. Go read it and check it out loud. But a name that was mentioned under the category of players with the most approved in 2024, Nico Iamaliava. I think he has the most approved than anybody in the country. And uh, I'm excited to see how he kind of navigates that. And I'm excited to see how he deals with all that uh, this season here at Tennessee. I want to tell you about our friends over at LinkedIn Jobs. When you're hiring for small business, you want to find quality professionals that are right for the role. That's why you got to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs has the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster and for free. LinkedIn isn't just another job board. It's got a vast network of more than a billion professionals. Yeah, billion with a B, which makes it the best place to find more or best place to find a hire. It gives you access to professionals you can't find anywhere else. LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive. Hiring is easy when you have this many quality candidates. So easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. 2.5 million business small businesses use LinkedIn for hiring, and you can as well. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash college. That is LinkedIn.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply. All right, everybody, welcome back into your Monday edition of Lockdown Vols. I'm your host, Eric Kane. Appreciate you for being here on the road here in Dallas, Texas, covering Tennessee baseball at Globe Life Field, home of the 2023 Texas Rangers uh, for the Shriners Children's College Showdown. Um, more on that in Tennessee's performance in that showdown in segment number three. I do want to talk about Tennessee basketball. Um, Tennessee just whipped, just whipped Vanderbilt on Saturday. Uh, incredible performance for Tennessee. And I'm not trying to act like you're trying to make it more than what it is because Vanderbilt's not a good basketball team. We know that. But Tennessee was leading by, I believe, 31 at halftime. Tennessee goes on to win 88-53. Tennessee shot in the game from the field 47.8%. Tennessee made 14 of 31 three-pointers. That's 45%. That's a really, really good average. And Tennessee was, you know, not not challenged an awful lot at the free throw line, but out of 11 attempts, it made eight free throws. Whereas Vanderbilt shot a measly 33% from the field, 28% from downtown, and were 10 of 20. 
10 of 20 from the charity stripe. That is not a winning formula. Tennessee, all five starters scored in double figures. Led by 14 apiece from Dalton Connect and Zakai Ziegler. You had 13 from Josiah Jordan-James. You had 12 from Santiago Vescovi. had 11 from Jonas Adu, who had eight rebounds as well. Josiah Jordan-James, a typical like prime Josiah Jordan-James, 13 points, seven rebounds, three steals, two assists, and um, he shot the ball more, had seven free, uh, field goal attempts, three of five from downtown. And, and I like this about Santiago Vescovi as well. Shot the ball more. He had not as much as he used to, don't get me wrong, but he had six shot attempts, um, did Santiago Vescovi. He had five from downtown, four of five, where he connected on four of five three-point shot attempts. But what I like about Tennessee here in this game is one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Thirteen players played in this basketball game. 13 players emptied the bench. Look at the minutes over here. I'm looking at the PDF box score right now. Uh, Jemiah Meshack, 12 minutes. Uh, or excuse me, that was, that was the uh, plus minus. Jemiah Meshack, 16 minutes. Uh, Freddie DeLeon, 13 minutes. Kate Phillips, 10 minutes. Cam Carr, 13 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, a couple of walk-ons got in there and got three or four minutes apiece. That's what you like to see. And more so than anything for Dalton Connect, 22 minutes. He got he got a little bit of a break. Zakai Ziegler, 24 minutes. Got a little bit of a break. That that's that's what you need this time of the year. And when you're talking about, you know, this little stretch that we've been discussing, this little six-game stretch in the middle of your conference schedule before things get really amplified the final two weeks of the regular season, these are the type of games that you want to rest your starters when you can. Tennessee did that in the 88-53 win over Vanderbilt. Tennessee will have one more game in this quote-unquote stretch, and that is at Missouri Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. And so far, Tennessee is 4-1 and one during this stretch. The lone loss at College Station, I said one more with Missouri. They're going to go back. they got two more, one more week. Um, Tennessee will be looking for revenge against Texas A&M at home next Saturday at 8 o'clock. So one more week of this stretch where, again, you need to stack up wins. So far, four wins, one loss, or three wins, one loss. You need to finish 5-1 and one during the six-game stretch because after next week, you are at home against Auburn, on the road at Alabama, on the road at Columbia, South Carolina, and then home against Kentucky to finish off the regular season. A couple of stats that I want to um, talk about from this basketball game and, and how impressive uh, Tennessee basketball was in the win over Vanderbilt. Uh, anybody ever text themselves? I often text myself and uh, just to you know have notes, if that makes sense. So if I have a note that I don't want to forget, I text my own phone number and uh, it sends it to me. I don't know if I'm the only one that does this, but nonetheless, here we are. Um, the starting five in this basketball game was 24 of 40 from the field, 12 of 20 from the three-point line, 22 rebounds, 19 assists, only two turnovers, three blocks, five steals, and nobody played more than 24 minutes. Again, that's what you want in a dominant win like this. Um, Vescovy's four threes are the most he's had in any in SEC play and the second highest of the year when he had five against Kansas. It's good to see because Santiago Vescovi, it feels like, in my opinion, has been hesitant and has not been taking his shots when he needs to. Uh, so his four three-pointers made, the most that he's had in SEC play and the second highest of the year 
uh, following five that he made against Kansas way earlier in the year. And the win against Vanderbilt also the first time that Santiago Vespi and Josiah Jordan-James have scored in double figures in the same game since before Christmas. Anybody know that game that both Santiago Vescovi and Josiah Jordan James scored in double figures before Christmas? Hadn't happened since until Vanderbilt on Saturday. But do you know what game that was? It was Tarleton State. Tarleton State, the whatever they're called. Um, and that was a, a long time ago, essentially, is what I'm getting at here. So, again, good to see. Also, before the game on Saturday, the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee... Uh, went out and they released their top 16 overall seeds. Tennessee was the number six overall seed behind Purdue, UConn, Houston, and Arizona, and I believe UNC. Yeah, so Tennessee was the sixth overall seed and was poised to be the second seed in the Midwest region. Uh, that Midwest region, the first seed is Purdue. Tennessee would be the two. Baylor would be the three. And San Diego State would be the four. So, uh, again, you still got a little over a month of the regular season remaining. You still have the conference championship uh, tournament. And, of course, we know that the selection committee does not value that because Tennessee won the tournament and didn't come off a three line a couple years ago or two line, whatever it was. But there's more basketball to be played. But at current standing, the NCAA tournaments committee that makes and, and seeds all these uh, all these teams for Selection Sunday views Tennessee as a two seed, and of course the loss at, at Texas A and M a couple of days or a couple you know last weekend is it kind of hurts Tennessee a little bit. Um, maybe Tennessee could have been a one seed without that hiccup, but that's college basketball. Important thing right now is that Tennessee is considered a two seed in the eyes of the people who make. Uh, selection Sunday, what it is, the sixth overall seed, and a couple of wins, again, on the road in Tuscaloosa, at home against Auburn, payback at South Carolina, and then, of course, sweeping Kentucky. That would do wonders for trying to get to a number one overall seed. But I'll continue to say, if you're a two seed and you play in the East region, that might be better than being a one seed in the Midwest or a one seed in the, in the West. If you're a two in the East or a two in, say, the South, I think that 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 poises better for you and your fan base to come and um, and, and be at these games. So um, we'll see how Tennessee finishes off the regular season. But hey, when we come back, let's talk a little Tennessee baseball. How did Tennessee baseball perform in the Shriners Children College Baseball Showdown at Globe Life Field over the weekend? That is coming up next as we continue on with Locked On Balls. What to say about our friends over at FanDuel Sportsbook? Get buckets right now with your first bet over at FanDuel. It's America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 bet. That's $150 if your bet wins. Bet on all your favorite NBA players and teams with quick bets, live same-game parlays, exclusive props, and a whole lot more. Yes, sure, we're talking NBA here, but as we talked about in segment number two, college basketball, man, we are we are nearing the end of the conference slate, conference tournaments right around the corner. Then it's going to be March Madness, and you can put some coin in your pocket, have some fun, have a rooting interest outside of your team over at FanDuel, or Sport, FanDuel Sportsbook. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and shoot your shot today. FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NBA. More to come here as we continue on with the Monday Lockdown Vols. Stay tuned. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's continue on here. Let's talk a little baseball. I know a lot of the crowd here doesn't like baseball or doesn't want to listen to baseball, but if you're on the fence here and thinking about 
flipping to another podcast or, or turning it off here, I encourage you to stick it out a little bit. There have been so many new Tennessee baseball fans over the last couple of seasons. And credit Tony Votello and credit what he's built here with, with Frank Anderson, with Josh Elander, with guys behind the scenes like Chad Zerker. Um, it, it's, it's really fun to watch what's happening right now. And um, this past weekend was was a whole lot of fun as well. Um, I, I do want to say full disclosure, um, it's going to be, it's, it's been late nights all here in Dallas, late night on Friday night, late night on Saturday. And you guys know me, I record the show the day in advance, the night in advance, if you will. But I'm not about to come back here to this Airbnb and record a podcast for Monday morning at Monday morning, like 2 a.m. So I am recording this show before this segment, before the final game Tennessee takes on Baylor. Um, So I'll be talking about the first two games of the weekend. And if anything huge happens um, against Baylor, then we can hit on it later on. But um, it's been fun to watch this program continue to ascend and play in these type of environments. I mean, you guys know me. I'm... I cover Tennessee baseball at VolQuest.com. Football is my sport. I played football. Football is my love, but I love baseball. And though it's an expensive hobby, uh, my hobby is to try to go and, and see every Major League Baseball park. And this weekend makes, I believe, the 17th ballpark I've been to, um, 16th that's active. And yes, even though I'm not seeing the Rangers play, I'm still counting it because I've been to the stadium and I've, I've covered three games here incredible venue newest ballpark that's been made but um just incredible not my favorite ballpark I mean those are the likes of the 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 history the nostalgia the Fenways the Wrigley's the Camden's but my goodness what a gorgeous ballpark anyway Tennessee played like a major league baseball team's a point in time this weekend um we'll start with Friday Tennessee got off uh the, the weekend with a uh with a ranked win over number 21 Texas Tech and uh, it was the AJ show. You had AJ Russell, who was your Friday night starter, who struck out 10 batters in four innings and a third. Now, the theme of opening weekend, those pitch counts were, were very, you know, you're not going deep into ball games. You know, around 70s, your pitch counts. So starters on both sides for Tennessee and its opponents weren't, you know, going much past the 70 if they made it there. So that's why AJ Russell only pitched four and a third. Um, that's why Drew Beam only pitched four and two or five and a third, I believe, the other day. But uh, we'll get to that in a moment. But AJ Russell went four and a third, gave up two runs. Um, and it, it was it was runners that he left the game on base, and then AJ Causey, who I'll talk about in a second, his only mistake was allowing a two run double. But it was a uh, or two run triple, whatever it was. Two runs credited to AJ Russell, four innings and a third, where he gave up three hits, one walk. 10 strikeouts, 10 strikeouts for a sophomore new Friday night starter who logged only 30 innings and a third, primarily in midweek, and then a little bit as the season went on out of the Tennessee bullpen last year. What a performance. A.J. Causey came in behind him, the transfer from Jacksonville State. I had an exclusive with him over at VolQuest.com on Sunday. Go check it out if you haven't seen it. Love my sit-down chat with A.J. Causey. He was really, really good. Talked about when he decided he was going to start throwing sidearm. Talked about why he came to Tennessee. Talked about the A.J. show, and that's what they're calling it, A.J. Russell to A.J. Causey. It worked to perfection on Friday night. Now, baseball, it's it's not scripted. <laughs> Football's not scripted, no matter what anybody wants to tell you about the NFL. But it's not always going to go like it did on Friday night. But, boy, it was perfect on Friday night. Four innings in the third, you give the ball to A.J. Causey. He pitched the final four innings and two-thirds where he allowed no runs, two hits, seven strikeouts out of the bullpen. 
and he throws from the side where he's not overpowering like AJ Russell was at 97, 98. You got AJ Causey from the side at 92, 93. And then a slider and a changeup that'll make batters from the right side look silly. The pitching on Friday night was incredible. Uh, Tennessee scored three runs in the fourth inning, scored three runs in the eighth inning. He had a home run from uh, Billy Amick, who drove in two runs on the game. That was a, a really good welcoming party um, or coming out party. The new Tennessee volunteer, like A.J. Causey, Billy Amick was making his debut. Uh, Billy Amick played well from the plate. Uh, Christian Moore had two hits in that in that baseball game as well. He had Kavaris Tears, who reached base twice, scored two runs, but he had an over three day at the plate, and uh, a lot to like about that season opening win for uh, Tennessee on Friday night. Now you shift to Saturday, and Tennessee took its first loss of the season, and uh, it's going to happen. Again, you're not going to go 65 and nothing or whatever. The sky is not falling after game two. Um, Sure, you know, it it was an extra inning ball game. Sure, Tony Vitello probably left Aaron Combs in a batter too long. Hindsight's 20-20. Sure, Dylan Drowling. There was a play where he was on the run in the gap in left center field. It looked like he got leather on it, but he couldn't make the catch. Two runs scored. That was the difference maker in the extra innings. There are things you'd like to change if you could go back, but this type of game, really this weekend, but that type of game on Saturday night when Tennessee fell in 10 innings, 5-1 to one to Oklahoma after ending nine innings, tied 1-1, that's the type of regional atmosphere that you're going to get. That's the type of regional game where every inch matters every pitch matters every decision matters and and I feel like even though you lost that game that can really teach you some lessons as this season goes on and um you would have want you you want to win that game and I'm sure it hurt for those players uh, Saturday night going back to the hotel but uh man what a what a big league game I say that sure the offense was quiet but there was about, and I'm not I'm not exaggerating here. I wrote about it over at VolQuest.com. You can go check it out. There were about six defensive plays that Tennessee made, and there were a couple from Oklahoma as well. There were about six defensive plays that Tennessee made that were Web Gem nominees, Sports Center top ten. Not even including the triple play. Yes, you're hearing this right. If you haven't seen it yet, Tennessee turned a triple play on Saturday against against Oklahoma. Tennessee, or Oklahoma had runners at first and second base, okay? At first and second base, Chris Stamos, a new transfer as well from Cal, comes in, and there's a little tiny bloop off the bat just in front of home plate, between home plates and the pitcher's mound, like that distance, but it was towards the third baseline. Stamos dives, makes the catch, throws back to second base because the runners took off, forced out a second. The runner that was at first base was standing at second base. Chris Christian Moore tagged him, triple play. Goes down as a 1-6 triple play. First triple play in Tennessee history since 1997. Incredible. But I'm not even talking about just the triple play. Um, Hunter Inslee made two over-the-shoulder catches in center field running to the warning track. Billy Amick, a sharp ground ball hit on the third base line, ranging to his right, fields it, throws off balance to first base, third out of the inning. Christian Moore, charging, slow ground ball at shortstop, you know, flick of the wrist, throws it to first base, he's out. Um, Dylan Dryland made a diving catch in left field. I mean, two plays at the plate from Blake Burke throwing home to Cal Stark, one to Cal Stark, one to Charlie Taylor, and the tag to get a would-be run off the board. Tennessee played like big leaguers in a big league park defensively on Saturday night against Oklahoma. 
It's just the offense struggled a little bit. Um, Tennessee finished with seven hits in the game, two hits from Hunter Ensley, two hits from Christian Moore, two hits from Dylan Dryling. Dylan Dryling homered in the game, was responsible for Tennessee's lone run through things at 1-1 as they headed to the 10th. But the offense left 10 on bases, left 10 on the base pass, um, loaded the bases with one out and couldn't get anybody in in the fourth inning. It's baseball, it happens, but you don't want that to be a habit. And, and, and Drew Beam, he was okay. He was not the best. He was not QB1 Drew Beam, but through five innings and two-thirds, he allowed seven hits, only one run, but only one of the hit, only one of the seven hits that Drew Beam allowed went for extra bases. Now, again, Webb Jim plays behind him a couple of times, probably saved extra bases, but at the end of the day, seven hits, only one of those went for extra bases. Only two strikeouts, one walk, 78 pitches. Drew Beam was okay. He certainly wasn't great the other night. But at the end of the day, that's what you'll take. I mean, uh, he's got he's to get the strikeout pitch going a little bit more. It was, it was start number one. If that is what his line looks like and he wasn't pitching anywhere near his best, sign me up for that every single day. So anyway, the time of this recording, Tennessee wins a ranked game on Friday night against Texas Tech and then loses in extra innings to a solid Oklahoma team. Tennessee's getting a lot out of this weekend. I fully expect Tennessee to handle business, take care of uh, Baylor um, and, and the nightcap on Sunday, and come back for the home opener on Tuesday with a 2-1 and one record and uh, to start that little stretch towards uh, conference play there for, for a whole lot of games at Lindsey Nelson Stadium. So it's been a fun weekend. I think Tennessee baseball has gotten a lot out of this weekend, and um, I, I love to see how the pieces will kind of assemble pitching lineup wise because this is once again it is a deep deep ball club for Tony Vitello as he tries to go back to Omaha if that happens this year it would be the third time in four seasons um Tennessee baseball is good man and it was good this weekend all right that's going to do it here for this edition of Lockdown Vols hope you enjoyed it thanks so much for being here and making us part of your morning commute every dayers could not do this show without you we'll be back on Tuesday I'll probably have a guest on to help me out a little bit on the day of travel we'll be back in Knoxville and continue to tell you everything you need to know about Tennessee football the NCAA investigation Tennessee basketball baseball and more as we continue on with Lockdown Vols thank you so much stay safe and we will talk to you again tomorrow this is Lockdown Vols